everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today, and in my deep honor, I'm able to get him out for a little break. Um, <laughs> is oh, don't laugh. <laughs> is Alaric Allur, CEO and founder of Arkham Security and advisor for Matter Ventures, whom, if our listeners would remember, is also where Hesse is from. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hi there, how are you? Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate this. And it is so good to finally talk to you since we've been interacting on Twitter uh, for a while now. So it's good to finally see you and speak with you. Apparently we are real, so I know. I, know. I, get the, I, do, I do get that all the time. People always ask, so you, you are real. I said, yeah, just, uh, just not online as much. It's all right. You know what? It's the quality of the time that you spend matters. I agree. Matters, right? not I agree. Exactly. <laughs> so before we start, because I know you, mm -hmm. I think, I don't even remember who, how that started, but it's something around Formula One. So before we get there, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, the idea behind your company, what do you do, and what are you doing now in, in, in addition to that very, very important duty of yours that you're home taking care of? Very okay. cute little one. So, <laughs> all right. So I am the CEO and co-founder, I should say, because I do have another founder of Archon Security. What we do, so we're a managed security and services provider. Um, and what that means is that we do a lot of infrastructure security, data security, data integrity, confidentiality, availability for clients. Um, we operate in the mid-market space, which means our customers are anywhere, uh, you know, revenue-wise, are from anywhere from like 20 million to about 300 million. So we're in that in that middle place where we've got a few enterprise customers, mostly right in the middle, and we've got customers around the country in Europe, uh, Singapore, other parts of Asia, and Australia. So we're a little spread out a little bit. We're uh, we're a small company. We're about 19 of us totally, um, and so you know, we do, we essentially do cybersecurity, right? And uh, so, and that involves, um, we do trainings for customers. We obviously do the integrity side. We do it all in the cloud. Nothing is on premises. It's all cloud-based. So when it comes to identity and access management, access control, uh, essentially we're like the one-stop shop for our customers. So, you know, whether they've got somebody that does technology on premises or not, that's kind of what we do with, with a primary focus on security. So we were founded about nine years ago. Um, I had an exit previous to that. Um, it was also in security and cryptography, and that was that's my background um, in electrical engineering and uh, with a focus on cryptography. So I've always been in the security space. Uh, that's what we do. We have a fairly large uh, nonprofit practice, and by that I mean we support a lot of nonprofits around the country uh, doing the same thing from a security side, but we always ensure that uh, they aren't paying an arm and a leg for services that they should, you know, uh, not that they shouldn't be paying for. So just so um, they can continue to focus on their mission. So we've got a for profit side, a nonprofit side, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier that um, I think you can do good and you can still be successful at the same time. I love that. Where have you been for the last five years? Because <laughs> it, it is perfect. It's, it's everything that I believe we need to do more, and we aren't talking enough about it. Because normally when we think about doing good, 
people think about, oh, you know, you're giving things away, you're doing charity, you're doing mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. But what a lot of people don't understand is you can do good and do well. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're giving money away. It just means right. that you're serving people differently and thinking of different business models to make it work. I am a fan of capitalism. I think it's perfectly fine, but the question is how many zeros do you need and how do you Absolutely, absolutely. And so, and it's interesting. So it's something that we've done at Archon Security and then as of December, 2021. Um, so I've been an advisor to Matter Ventures for about a year now, advising the startups that are that they're looking at as part of their portfolio. And then as of December, 2021, yeah, 2021, and I started January of this year. Uh, I'm also a general partner there now. Um, so a part of our goal and matter um, is essentially to invest in verticals and in demographics that have been overlooked. And, you know, it's um, underrepresented founders um, and there are a ton of them. Uh, it's just one of the things uh, that, that has occurred is that uh, the tendency has been in, in venture capital to overlook uh, certain groups, certain verticals, mostly because uh, those were deemed to not be uh, not have that great ROI. And one of the things we found and I found is that that's it's just for a lack of awareness and trying. Right. So those uh, those concepts of and you know, it, it's uh, they end up coming up in the marketplace mostly because it's repeated over and over. So then it's taken as the truth. But you know, if you just dig a little under the surface, you end up finding that that's not necessarily the case. And there are people with ideas, right? Brilliant people with brilliant ideas everywhere. It's a matter of being able to uh, let those people, people and their ideas surface so that, so you can see that that is there, that exists. And then, and, and then those can be invested in for, you know, success across the board, like in a win-win situation. So that's uh that's the thing that we focus on at Matter Ventures, and we're raising, and we are looking at companies. We're having founders come to us, underrepresented founders come to us with their ideas, um, what they're trying to build, and we are looking to invest in those kinds of founders. I will hold you to that. Because I absolutely. might have a long list of people that might come knocking on your door. You absolutely should. It's something we would love to see because that's, uh, and again, we're raising uh, right now and have been for the last few months. And uh, raising is kind of just like running a startup, essentially. You're just doing it from the other side, right? Because startups that are looking for venture capital. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it's interesting. But yes, absolutely. That That is, that is what our goal is. That's what our ethos is as the organization. So... It's it's one of the things that uh, when I was advising Matter last year, um, I felt it would be something that you know I really thought about it for a while. It's something that I wanted to do. It's and, but it goes back to the you can do good and still make money, right? And it's it's I just don't think that's uh, that's something that I don't think it's repeated enough because I think if that gets repeated enough, I think people will buy into that. Just like, you know, when, when you repeat negatives, they also get repeated. I think, I just don't think there's enough of that positivity being repeated. Well, let's change that because mm-hmm. there's absolutely no reason why, for example, female founders should get the lowest percentage of funding in the last I, five years, right? Absolutely. There's money absolutely. to go around. There is. Yeah. There's, and, and, and the market's tightening right now. And, you know, for, you know, 
whole bunch of different economic factors. But um, the market's only tightening in that, in in the sense that uh, found like funders are now actually doing the diligence that they were not doing in the last couple of years. Right, in the last couple of years was like, hey, you sneezed an idea out. Here's a million dollars. Right, and so. Uh, I don't know where I was reading this, but uh, Airbnb's, um, you know, their first check was $500,000, right? And that was at a point, you know, when YC and other places, when they were writing checks, they were like 250, 500. In the last couple of years, you know, seed rounds have been like a million, a million two, a million five, with it all based on these projections, right? And with no traction, no actual revenue, no path to monetization, it just I, you know, I'm going to have, you know, if you're a SaaS company, I'm going to have 5,000 paying uh, customers in six months. You don't have a single one. I'm going to have, apparently you're projecting five, here's a million dollars. And I think, and I I think the market typing is actually a really, really good thing because it really helps surface people and ideas that genuinely need to be funded. I cannot agree more. Um, hopefully weed out some of the ones that probably shouldn't be there in the first place. And it's Absolutely. a correction, a correction yes. that was much needed. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. let's let's talk about, oh, the beginning of this all. You mentioned that okay. you're not on social as much um, anymore. We do value the tweets here and that, especially in race weekends. Did you remember <laughs> your first tweet at all? I don't, but. I always thought. Oh my gosh, I don't because I'm only literally (laughs) the only social uh, platform that I'm on is Twitter, uh, Uh personally. Uh, And I joined in 2019. Um, There were a lot of people, and I will say this, right? So there's a uh, there are a lot of people on Twitter, especially women and minorities, that get a lot of abuse and hate and stuff. But one of the things that I found is a positive about Twitter is that I have met some wonderful people, genuine, like real people, right? that uh, that have been that I've loved interacting with online, uh, not in person, but this way virtually, right? And it's been great to see because I don't do LinkedIn because I think LinkedIn is absolute garbage. It's just it's just way too much nonsense. And you know, I mean, whatever, someone's going to be mad, but I say that anyway, all the time. But on Twitter, I think the interactions are so personal and real. Right? And it and I've met like you, right? Um, uh, Hesse, uh, Mia, uh, Roxana, uh, Johannes Drughag, Rob May. There's all these other people, right, that I would have never met had it not been for me being on Twitter, right? And they're all wonderful people. I've interacted with them uh, virtually on calls. Um, it's been great. And it, it, it's not been networking for business, but it's been just great to expand uh, my sphere of uh you know, friends and acquaintances, you know, that would not have occurred without Twitter. So there, there are definitely positives to Twitter, but I do not remember my first tweet. It must have been something, probably something that I thought was very funny and nobody else did. So I can just say <laughs> that's probably what it was. That's quite all right. I, I do resonate with you on the finding good people part on social because I was a latecomer too. And I started because I realized I couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. And mm-hmm. so that was my way of connecting with different events at that time. I was traveling a lot, going to different places, sponsoring different things. And um, 
And it was my way of, of reaching out to people and mm-hmm. stay connected to them. And yep. next thing you know, I met you. I met, like you say, Mia and, and Hassi, and they're just amazing people. Um, I met Noel. I met, I mean, there's just countless of people mm-hmm. that I'd spend more time interacting with on social than I would ever see in mm-hmm. person. Absolutely. And, yeah. Right. And that's great. So, from there, let's talk about what some people like to say, the next version of the internet, um, <laughs> our buzzwords, uh, web three. Mm-hmm. Arun, I love you to pieces, but you know exactly what I'm gonna talk about if you're listening. So I know Hassi recently wrote an article in Forbes on web three. Yeah. For those of us who are scratching our heads and trying to figure out exactly what's left and right, can you explain to our listeners in the simplest terms? Imagine you talking to my nine-year-old. What is Web3? You know, so this is, a, this is such an interesting question, right? I don't know that two people that you asked that question to would give you the exact same answer. Because just, the, okay, so one of the things that I genuinely appreciate about technology is the fact that there are standards, right? Um, and, and there are concepts and there are terms that if you ask two people, they would define it essentially the same way, right? So when you talk about privacy, when you talk about security, if I just said, what does identity and access management mean to you? If you talk to practitioners in the space, they would define it the exact same way. Web3 is this 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 interesting, this phrase that uh, I think like was coined in 2014 and then A16Z has just taken it to this whole different level because, you know, the more you repeat it and, you know, you, you essentially like end up laundering phrases into the lexicon uh, and and then it just becomes like like today you know in 2003 nobody said Google it today googling it is just a phrase that we use you know it's a verb right so I I think if you if you launder that phrase enough times through multiple cycles and multiple platforms it just becomes a thing I genuinely would not be able to tell you what Web three is because I think it's it, it's like this farce right it's a uh, it, it, it's okay it's like for example. When they talked about uh, artificial intelligence, you remember like a few years ago, AI was a thing, right? Oh, absolutely everything. AI is going to be everywhere. I mean, no, it's not. It, it, it genuinely is not. I mean, there's like different versions of AI and what people said was going to be this artificial general intelligence. No, we're, we're not there yet. But we're not probably going to be there in our lifetimes. Neuralink, whatever nonsense, you know, notwithstanding. But I don't know that there's like a, there's like a definition for Web3 that that I could give or say and just be like, it's 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 supposed to be this new iteration of where the internet goes, right? It's it's a journey, right? So uh, we're traversing through Web1, Web2, and apparently on now in Web3 where everybody is going to live in some digital universe and forget that they need human interaction and their avatars are going to be, you know, you're going to shop at Walmart, which is absolutely garbage. Have you seen that Walmart interface for, oh, it's trash. Like why would, like, you know, no offense to anybody that goes to Walmart. I don't, but you know, just it's, it's, it's bad enough, like in person, the experience. So now let me just enhance the terribleness of that experience by doing Walmart shopping online. Right. So I don't, <laughs> and, and, and again, like, like I said, right, I, I try to keep an open mind about all technology because as a technologist, it is important to 
to know that technology changes sometimes on a daily basis. And you've got to keep your mind open because it, it's there's always learning to be done, right? When you say you're done learning, you, you should, you're you pretty much done. So I try to keep an open mind about, about technological advances that like solve actual problems. Uh, I tend to be very cynical about, you know, apes and you know you know slurping whatever the apes do or whatever is happening in the nft space and you know just tokens and cryptocurrency and it's all like 100 percent at this point in time all of the web3 uh, verticals that people are talking about i think are just 100 percent trash so there, there's my take on that so i was not, tell us exactly I, okay. how you think about it <laughs> I was. I had to. I had to parse my words very carefully when Hesse asked me to for a quote for Web three. So, uh, again, I remain optimistic that um, that non vultures will try to iterate the web in a way that is beneficial and helpful to uh, to people everywhere, and not just in developed nations. Um, you know, like, okay, there's that thing, right? People keep talking about cryptocurrency banking the unbanked. We had such long debates the last few years about people saying, well, you know, crypto is going to solve all problems we have with financial inclusion. Well, if you look at a country in South America, like, El Salvador, right? We mm -hmm. we see in the challenges that they have. Their challenge wasn't so much though whether or not they have crypto or Bitcoin, which can solve supposedly all their problems. It's it's a much deeper problem than that. Half of their country did not have internet access. Let's yep. start there, right? Yeah. Let's let's get them on so they have a chance to be yeah. on the same world that we are all in, and then mm -hmm. we can talk it, until you solve the fundamentals. Yeah, you can keep throwing stuff on the wall, but it will mm -hmm. still be the same people that will get served, not those that are not served. Uh, absolutely, and that's and that's my point, right? So if we, and that's why I said, like, I, I I keep an open mind about any technology, and because it is so pervasive right now, technology, right? And technology can be used for a lot of good; has been used for a lot of good. We're we're communicating on this thing. I think this is wonderful. You know, I'm on my iPad. You're you know you're you're on some Mac computer. I'm guessing or we're talking virtually, it's great. We've got you know broadband access to the internet. We don't have any issues. We're having this clear conversation. It's wonderful. You know, you can talk to people around the world. It's great. Um, but you know, those are like real fundamental, like access to the internet, fundamental problem. If we don't solve that, I don't care what cryptocurrency coin nonsense ape is occurring. The people that don't have access to basic services you know, like internet access. What does it matter to them? They're, so, you know, it's, yeah, and I didn't say that in the thing, but cryptocurrency is a Ponzi scheme, right? It, it just is. And I, I and I don't think enough technologists, there are technologists that I know and follow who will say it, but I just don't think enough people call it a Ponzi scheme over and over because, uh, you know, there people think it's the fast way for me to get money like this, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of wealth is accumulated. Like people always say it's hard work and pull yourself up by no bootstraps. Now, a lot of it is luck like and timing, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a right combination of those things occurs, but work has to occur. But this is this get rich quick scheme there. 
it's like the Amway of 2022, right? You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's nonsense. You're just putting, you're putting money and resources. And a lot of times people that are doing it and are, that have now lost so much money. When you think about Luna, there are people that have lost their life savings. And this isn't the first time. It's not going to be the last time until, you know, the regulatory agencies step in and start regulating these and don't call them assets. They just, it's nothing. You can't take it and do anything with it. I've had enough interaction with it personally myself to know that it costs more for me to convert tether into us dollars than it would for me to just get something in us dollars and then send it to a bank account uh, you know on a wire transfers and the amount of time and energy expended somebody is making the money on that so the people that are feeding it are feeding this this frenzy are also making money on the back end so i think fundamentally there are so many problems that need to be resolved the technology can be used for that that this this new version this new iteration of the internet is not where we are right now is not what's going to solve any of this problem you're not going to bank the unbanked you're not going to have this libertarian utopia that everybody's talking about it just doesn't work so uh anyway that's i think that's how i really feel about web3 I like the premise of where what it can be, right? Where yes. more people can have a voice and more creators can have a say-so in their destiny, so to speak. Absolutely. I love that part, but we're not there. And no. I don't know what it would take to get us there because there are enough bad players with enough power and mm -hmm. resources to make sure that we do not get there. I think that that's where I... I have my struggle, right? I love tech, like you say. Yeah. Um, I, I still remember when um, when I went to college, my first day, my dad got me a wonderful compact laptop. Mm -hmm. Trust me, that was not a laptop. It's giant and it was heavy. <laughs> um, and I got this portable ink printer. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. And, and it was my first, I was in college. This was in... 92 that was a while ago um but we don't count and, uh, and and we have like you know email right wow this is really cool you can connect with people via email we have linux computers yeah. running around you know the campus it, it was this was amazing it was cool you could do a lot with that with that technology and like you said before we started recording it, it was it almost feels like knowledge is at your fingertips you can mm -hmm. get information and there was a free yeah. exchange of information and look at where we are right now um yeah so i mean yes tech can do a lot of good i'm grateful for technology otherwise i wouldn't ha have been able to stay connected to my family for three years mm -hmm. whom i had not been able to see because of COVID. but i i don't know if this is where we need to be we need to be somewhere else where it's a little bit fairer less toxic world yeah i and agree Every time I think of it, I think of my my kids who love Roblox and Minecraft. Yeah. And mm -hmm. my mommy explanation for them, for what metaverse is, when I was chatting with my nine-year-old who took over my avatar on Decentraland and said, here, I'm gonna show <laughs> you what to do. Um, it's sort of like an adult version of Roblox and mm -hmm. so. We'll see. <laughs> no, and I, and I, you know, and I do think like all of those, like Roblox, right, like I, and Minecraft, I think they're they're incredible, right? And I do think, um, you know, it's not to be a luddite here and say, you know, kids don't use technology. No, you absolutely should. It's different, right? Kids today, 
are you know, so th this is a this is an interesting thing that I always do with like um, with kids that are like you know, just about to be teenagers, the teenagers, right? If I said to you, "Hey, call me," but I was motioning for you to call me, well, what's the motion you would do? You would do this, correct? But if you try that with your kids, they would either do this or have no motion because their whole concept of a phone is an iPhone, which is a bar, a candy bar. Yeah. You and I grew up a little, you know, we're a little older than those kids. So we still had when well, you picked up a phone and held it. So and it's really interesting because if you talk to uh, people that are older than us, they might say, do this because they had a, a rotary. rotary. Oh, I remember what? this. Yeah. Right. And so, so you know, it's so, you know, technology evolved and it iterates and it gets better and it makes our lives convenient. And, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, I just think that at this point in time, what, 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 what they're trying to call this new version of the web it, it is not what the new version of the web will actually be as it iterates. Because right now it's, it, it, it's vultures praying to, and, 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 you know, again, vultures might be a little harsh, but they're, they're trying to make as much money as they can and, and get in, uh, you know, as, get in on the ground. Right. And so, and that's why it's a Ponzi scheme because they're going to make the money and get out, but the people left holding the bag are going to be the ones that can ill afford to lose that money. And so I don't, I don't think that's what, um, I don't, and, and again, you know, it sounds like a very Star Trek uh, utopian version of where I think technology should be. Uh, and I don't think utopia exists. I don't, I think we can all wish that it does. It doesn't, but it, it would be nice if there were, you know, even 50, 50, right? 50% 50 vultures, 50% of people trying to do good. I think we could get to a better place. I think right now it's like 90, 10, unfortunately. And so, you know, that's why it's like, I don't know what a web three is. I know there's apes. I know there's JPEGs that you can copy and paste, but people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for it and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, and, you know, people saying the interest of transparency, yes, it is very transparent, but transparently, you can also see that Bitfinex and, you know, Coinbase are moving money back and forth when, you know, coins are failing. And, they're the ones that have all, you know, they're investing, they're pulling money out. It, it's, it's fairly transparent. I just think uh, because most people don't know how that technology works, they're just, uh, they're listening to what is being said. Uh, and what is being said is not, um, and not even critical or cynical. It's just not, uh, it isn't factual. And when you're not conveying facts, and there are some people that will ignore the facts, but I think when you're not repeating those facts over and over, uh, I don't know that the average person understands enough about the technology, about blockchain, uh, you know, and about how chains work and how many different chains there are and what the difference is, you know, proof of stake, proof of work, blah, 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 all of these terms. It, it doesn't mean anything to most people. It's just, uh, it's just terms thrown out. And, you know, unless you're a technologist that is sort of immersed or working alongside that space, all of those terms mean nothing to the average person. And, you know, so I think we're doing a disservice to the average person because the average person is only hearing, hey, put in money into this and uh, you'll become a millionaire. Well, duh. Yeah. I mean, there, there are lots of people who would like to make a lot of money and very quickly because a lot of people are are struggling. I, I agree. There's a big speculative component behind it. Um, it reminds me of an ex another conversation I had recently about some of the fintech apps that's out there that encourages people to buy shares, mm -hmm. stock market, and we all see yeah. how the stock market is doing, right? Mm -hmm. Those that have money wouldn't mind their advisors buy on the low 
Absolutely. Those that do not have money, they are the ones who are ill afford to lose yeah. whatever little that they have. And that's exactly what's happening to them. So I, I think I almost feel like, you know, there, there's a, this cliche, right? People say technology is not evil or, 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 or good or bad is, is neutral is the people behind it and the application of it. Mm. And it's very true. Cause if you look at, for example, crypto back to your, your point, um, Charlie Schwab from uh, Wells Fargo, he recently said, mm -hmm. if the collective group of people on the internet believes that something has value, then it has value. Mm -hmm. So it's Absolutely. Just, you know, like market supply and demand almost is very different than fiat money. And yeah. that's the world we're heading, right? So how do we avoid a collision or train wreck, if you will? Um, do I dare ask? Well, so you Are know, it's interesting that you say that. Are we capable of learning? <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, do do I think that we're capable? If it absolutely do, I do I think that we're going to collectively make that choice to learn? I don't know, but you know, that's that that's such a uh, that's a that's a question. I think that that philosophers will probably ponder, and then when they look back a hundred years from now at this point in time, and you know, just they, like so, Seth Green had some of his NFT ape NFT stolen because he was fished, a very basic thing that's happening in security, he got fished, and they were supposed to be in a show. And, you know, when, if, if you're not in technology, right, let's just say you, you're not online, you get your news, you watch TV, whatever, however, just that, what I, that sentence that I just said is so absurd sounding. An actor got fished and lost virtual apes that he was going to use in a show. I mean, I'm saying it to you and it sounds ridiculous. So when you're when you're not even aware of that, it, all of it, it sounds crazy. So do, and I think it's contingent upon the people that do understand and are aware to and because, you know, and it's not education in terms of the formal education. Right. And I, and I think people, if they want to go to college should go, if they don't, whatever. But I think education and awareness can come from other different ways and other different modalities and not just going to college. Right. And I think it's contingent upon people, technologists, non-technologists, people in the fintech space like you guys are. Right. So you were talking about things with with financial tech and apps so like you know without taking names there's one you know they had uh the reddit thing was going on there last year and then uh but you've also got like buy now pay later right this is interesting i just i didn't even realize it was such a big deal i was uh i think i was buying like i don't know like tennis shoes or something like last year and i was online somewhere and i'm buying you know tennis shoes that are like 130 140 bucks right so regardless of what you think whether it's expensive or not but they had an option to like buy now, pay later with Klarna, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to make that choice, right? But I can see how that choice, given that choice, uh, is something that's uh, another person might decide because I don't want to spend $120, $130. I want to only do 20 right now, but not understanding the total cost of that transaction at the end. Right. So again, it, it's that financial awareness. It's the technology, um, the awareness of the technology that exists. And I think that's that's kind of where I think we're um, I don't necessarily know that we're failing, that I think that we can do better because, you know, like I was talking about earlier, um, it was uh, getting information, you know, having the information available at your fingertips. Right. But we're, we're now at the stage where there's so much information that it, it's hard to parse what is uh, what is factual from fiction, what is information from mis or disinformation, and what is straight propaganda, right? So people think, you know, back to the 
Google it being a verb, right? Yes, you absolutely can go onto Google and Google anything. But Google is going to give you an answer to the question that you posed. It's not like an encyclopedia where you, if you looked at the letter Z, there are specific examples of the letter Z. If you ask, I'm Catholic, if you ask a question to Google about the Pope, positive or negative, you will get enough hits, positive and negative. And then you're left to determine what you would choose to believe, right? So we live in this, we live in this world right now where we have information at our fingertips, but with a lack of awareness of how to parse that information, right? It's the same thing with data, right? Uh, so data is the new oil, or is that like eight, 10 years ago? Now we have all this data, but we don't know how to act on the data. So we've collected, you know, petabytes of data and we, we don't have any actionable data, actionable intelligence. So it's the same thing on, on the information space because uh, there's all this information available, but if, if we collectively as a society don't know how to parse fact from fiction or myth and disinformation, uh, so we all collectively lose. And I think that, and I think that's where it comes into like, you know, having, having better hygiene, not, and I just, I'm not just talking about security hygiene and MFA and, and all of that. I'm just talking about information hygiene, right? Like knowing how to do that. It's a, it's a thing that I do with my family. Uh, not just my immediate, but also my extended family. Somebody sends a link. I'm like, hey, let's you know th- take a look at this link, see what the source is, and you know find out where it's coming from. But and I think it needs to be done. It, it, it's not a top down. It has to be a bottom up thing that people that do know and are aware should push it out to their immediate circles and their secondary and tertiary circles. Because I I think without that awareness, I I don't know that we get to an actual solution for 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 the world that we live in because you know yes if enough people on the internet say there's value absolutely there's value when there might be zero value right so how do all those people just because it's trending doesn't mean it's real doesn't mean it's factual right and so i think that's that 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 information hygiene and which is a term when, when i'm doing training it's one of the things that i always try to talk about is security and information hygiene it's so important um not just to know what it means, but how to implement it, but also from from the people that do know what it means and how to do it, that we share that in a way um, that a a a non practitioner, non technologist, a person unaware of all of this understands, comprehends, and then implements. And I think it's uh, I think I think that's that's where we're lacking. I almost feel like the odds are stacked against most people. Because if you, we'll go back to the Google example, right? And apologies, not so much. Uh, I I like to use that to pick on them a lot. Mm -hmm. The results that you see, that's displayed, may may not even be a fact in the sense that it's a fact. It is massaged and categorized in a way that mm-hmm. they show it because of the algorithms, because a certain advantage that they have yep. or how it ranks. And so different people might see different things, depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. If there is an incentive structure behind yeah. it for them to expose certain information on top versus bottom, there you go. Same as Amazon, right? Yep, and, absolutely. And so for for average consumers, normal mm-hmm. humans, it, it's it's impossible to try to figure out exactly you know what we can do where we can go and and that's why I think in the last few years we see all of the 
social problems, if you will, for yeah. better words, right? We see, you know, groups not talking to each other or mm -hmm. the amplification of echo chamber and all of that. I don't even know if there's a way to solve it. Um, I know some are looking at, and you're going to laugh at this, using decentralized social media as a means. <laughs> But I knew exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> well, so okay, so I'll I'll just say this about like decentralized and centralized, right? Um, if if you look at the evolution of technology, it has gone. It, it is very cyclical. People go on premises, and so I'll just talk just from an infrastructure side, right? On premises, cloud, on premises, now cloud, now repatriation back to on premises, now going to edge. It's just very cyclical. The, the, the problem with a lot of decentralized um, thought processes is that it is very hard to do at scale, right? Uh, and there, there always has to be some authority, you know, whether it's a platform, a, a person, an entity that, that has to be there for the decision-making process at, at the top level. Um, you know, just, I mean, you can, you can see this with, you know, with, with what happened with Luna, people took their money out, uh, and now they've got these DAOs, right? And so they keep talking about this as a community. And it's like, yeah, have you ever been a project manager? Because clearly, clearly, you know, when you buy into conspiracy theories, or you buy into the fact that you can get 100 people in the community to agree on something? No, you've never project managed in your life. It, it's like hurting friggin' cats. So people, and I think, and that's why I am like, I am so like philosophically opposed to buzzwords because they mean absolutely nothing. They mean it for the people, the marketers that came up with it, the people that want to use the hashtags, but they mean like zero things like cybersecurity, right? People are like, I'm an expert in cybersecurity. I don't know, man, there's 32 domains. You can't be an expert in 32 domains. Like I'm not an expert in cybersecurity. I know my areas of expertise. I mean, like, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, a, it, it's very cringy because you can have like small silos of expertise, but there's this whole world of things that we don't know. So, uh, but, but to your point, you know, it, it's this, um, I, I think it's contingent upon people that, that do know a little bit more than your average. And, you know, the, it's the, it's, you know, I'll give you this example. So <laughs> uh, if you got something in snail mail that said, you have won $5 million because this person, Nigerian prince, wants to give you $5 million. A majority of people will say, this is nonsense, it's trash. Now you send that same email, same information via email, there are going to be people that believe it's true today, in 2022, regardless of all the jokes made about Nigerian princes or somebody else in the Middle East or something. It, it happens today, it happens. And the, the people that are preyed upon are the ones that know the least about it. And um, that's why you get fished, right? And anybody can be fished, by the way, right? Whether you're a security practitioner, whether you're a novice, any fishing happens to everybody. I think there's this, uh, there's this uh, perspective that fishing only happens to novices. No, it can happen to anybody. It can happen at any time. Uh, but it's, it, but almost always the people that are preyed on are the ones that know the least about what's preying on them. It's the same thing with cryptocurrency. It's the same thing with NFTs. And I think it is contingent upon all, you know, all facets of society that understand it, media, uh, practitioners, people that understand the space, people that are probably not in the space because they wouldn't care, but uh, to increase the awareness of, and just realistically, right? Without, without being a cynic, I think 
realistically just offering um, facts. And I, and I know that doesn't work all the time because sometimes uh, biases creep in regardless of whether you know the facts and it's hard to change your mind because you believe you're too invested. But I think that's where I think that's where we are collectively failing because we can't actually speak. Now, there are certain people that I would not speak with, but generally I think uh, conversations have gotten uh, so fractured and so divisive that uh, you know, we don't have an understanding of the fact. That's why I gave you that Google example, because, you know, you can search for one thing you can search for another thing. It will give you the answers. But uh, there's no meeting point because, hey, Google told me this. And so Google has now become the arbiter without without anybody understanding, you know, how clicks work and AdSense and all of that and the motivation. That's, you know, I think I tagged you in that thing yesterday where they were talking about blockchain for education and incentivizing and gamifying education. No, it's a terrible, terrible idea. Blockchain in and of itself is a terrible idea. but uh, you don't want to gamify everything. It's, you know, just, it, it, it's not a way, it's just not the way forward. There's a, there's this thing, and I'll send you a link to it, it's called humane.tech, um, and I forget his name, it's such me right now, but there's there's all the the harms of tech as we've, uh, as we have it right now, and it talks about it very factually, uh, you know, without putting any spin on it, and, it's it just, I think it's important. I'll send you the link so you can, you know, you know, share it or something with people. But um, it's this ledger of harms of where technology is to the technology as we have it today has led us to the point where we are. Not because it's all, you know, it's it's people, right? At the end of the day, um, the tech exists. It's being utilized a certain way, but we, you know, we still all utilize it. And then that's the hardest component to ever, um, ever get to agreement people. So. Uh, but it, it's just, uh, I, I think, I think awareness and, and like genuine awareness of like how to parse one from the other. And I think that's, that's significantly lacking. I, I had to laugh when you were talking about gamification because a couple of months ago, that was a fintech startup. I don't know where they are right now, but they were gamifying court cases. Oh, nice. <laughs> Talk about the area that you do not do. This is not a joke. It's not a game. You cannot gamify the outcome of a court case. It's wrong yeah. on so many levels. Um, before, and it says that it's okay. incentivizing structure, right? That's why exactly. I think that's where it comes into play. Yep. Exactly. So before we close, I, I do want to ask you, because um, you do read read interesting stuff. I noticed that the things you share are not the same places I normally read my stuff, which I always find curious. Um, we need always need to learn from different sources and hear from different voices. I think that is part of what we have lost, unfortunately, in the name of personalization. Yeah. X systems know what you like and where you mm -hmm. like it from, and you keep getting served those. And before yeah. you know it, our information is so pigeonholed in a way. I don't even know what else is happening on the outside world. So. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, who are your favorite bloggers and where do you normally read your news? Because I think it's, it's, it's nice to have that out there. And last one is if you were able to put a book in a time capsule for, let's say, your son to find it in 20 years time, what would that be? All right. So the book I would put in a time capsule was Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. It is quite possibly the funniest book I've read. I've read it multiple, multiple times. Uh, it's, it's set in World War II. It's a squadron of 
uh, American Air Force they're in Italy and it's it's just how they get along and their interaction is dynamic but it's so clever and so witty and so well written and it is the one book I think I've probably read it about 14 or 15 times and every time I read it I laugh out loud and it's like genuinely genuinely witty witty book and I I love the humor in it it's dry it's sarcastic there's a ton of innuendo and not just innuendo in general not of a specific kind just and and it makes you think um it it looks back on life then during the second world war um and what their lives were like but it, it it's this it's so emblematic of of society at any point in time since that book was written. It's fantastic. Uh, but to answer your question about favorite bloggers, so I generally don't have a favorite anything or anyone. Uh, what I try to do when I do read is I try, uh, I try to practice information hygiene, like uh, judiciously. And so I always try to make sure that the sources that I'm getting the information from are not just in my opinion in general. They, you know, they, so I won't on the wings, right? I won't read anything on the wings. I generally try to stay not because I'm a centrist, not at all, but it's just I try to stay away from uh, provocation, propaganda, propaganda as much as possible by practicing information hygiene. Uh, but I do. Uh, I try to read as many different perspectives as possible. Uh, and by that, before it is misconstrued, I don't try to understand a racist perspective uh, or a misogynist perspective. I just try to read different perspectives because people can look at an object or a piece, it's like a piece of art, right? So many people can look at it and come away with so many different perspectives. So I try to look at information there. I'm, uh, clearly I have, uh, certain things that I am very particular about. I believe privacy should be a fundamental human right. So when I have people that are focused on privacy and writing about privacy, I like to get their take on it because they're practitioners in the space and I'm not. And I like to learn from actual subject matter experts. So that's so I try to practice information hygiene all the time. And I try to make sure that I'm getting my information from subject matter experts who are not trying to push either clicks or clout or try to push people to their subsects, which I don't subscribe to any. So that is how I, that's how I read. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. I need to do that more often. I got so used to the convenience of Apple News. Yeah. Uh, that I, I started to notice recently that all of the articles that they show almost mm -hmm. seem similar now. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. I need to get myself out of that and, and try to do something different again. Um, and I like your line, privacy should be a fundamental human right. I wrote that down. Oh, absolutely. I, I had a similar philosophy about economic equality should be a I'm fundamental with... human right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was just, um, I was reading a, or listening to a Freakonomics podcast, um, and interestingly enough, it was talking about corruption and uh, corruption in the U.S. versus corruption in China, and shockingly, how similar they are. Just in, and again, it's a perspective that you know, if you're um, 
how should I say this? I want to say this and make sure I say this right. Um, if you have not traveled the world and if you have not lived outside of this country, uh, it would not be a perspective that you have, mostly because uh, not knowing how things work. And it talked about China being in the Gilded Age 1.0 and the U.S. being in the Gilded Age 2.0. It's fascinating. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tag you in that on Twitter because I just thought it was so fascinating. It's about an hour, an hour long. I think three economics podcasts are about an hour long. And it's incredible. It's got a subject matter expert, um, a person who teaches political science. She's from Singapore originally, uh, uh, but of Chinese ancestry, like a lot of people in Singapore are. Um, and uh, what she talks about, and she's lived here in the U.S. She teaches here. It's incredible. It's uh, but so I always try. So I listen to Freakonomics as a podcast. I listen to a bunch of different podcasts. I try to listen to one or two podcasts a day when I'm doing other stuff. But um, but I also try to listen to different types of podcasts. So I do not listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> we have to make sure the point gets into the end of the podcast. All right, well, <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with me today. I appreciate it. Um, and for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.